Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Well, I praise the Lord for each one of you that's on the call this evening, and we're going to go ahead and get started. Our topic this evening is preventing spiritual letdown. Preventing spiritual letdown. And it's a very interesting topic. I'm going to go ahead and put everyone on uh, mute at this time, and then I'll unmute everyone's phone toward the end of the of the lesson so that we can have some interaction, questions, uh, perhaps maybe even any uh, thoughts you would like to share. So we'll go ahead and do that now. And we appreciate you all taking the time to call in this evening. This uh, subject matter is very interesting in that there are challenges that sometimes come into the life of every child of God that threaten to take you uh, into a depression or a down period uh, or to, you know, basically uh, have a letdown in your spiritual walk. Our focal point is going to be 1 Kings chapter number 19. 1 Kings chapter number 19. And it's given us a very vivid look at the life of Elijah at the, basically, the apex of his ministry and moving towards his decline. You'll notice here that in this 19th chapter, we see Ahab telling Jezebel all the things that Elijah had done and how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Now, I want to give you a little context of our uh, particular story in that the Lord had utilized and used Elijah tremendously, especially in uh, prophesying that there's going to be a, uh, you know, basically a famine in Samaria, that there would not be rain for like three and a half years. And God told him to do that. But also, we find him having a contest with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, in which he eventually slew 450 of the prophets of Baal with the contest on the altar. And this particular contest was very challenging in that uh, he challenged the, uh, the prophets of Baal, which were in allegiance with Ahab, but more so with Jezebel, who was the queen of Israel at this time, a very wicked and a very evil queen. And so we know then that uh, Elijah would be instrumental in defeating these prophets 
especially when he told them to uh, make an altar and uh, devise a bullock on it and told them to call on the names of their gods, of which they were unable to do that. And we see that uh, they took all day and most of the evening crying out to their God, but yet they got no answer. And then we see Elijah doing the very same thing, reconstructing the altar, putting the sacrifice on there, putting basically 12 barrels of water on the altar to water it down just so they won't think that it was a normal circumstance. And Elijah called on the Lord, and the power of God, the fire of God came down and consumed the uh, the sacrifice on the altar, and Elijah basically slew all the prophets of Baal. And you know, at that particular time, this was basically a, a great and a momentous occasion of what happened here. But as soon as we get to the 19th chapter, we see, as I read earlier, that Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, and how he had slain all the prophets of uh, Baal with the sword. Then the scripture says in verse 2, Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And the scripture says, And when he saw that, that is, when he saw the message, he ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. And then he went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested himself that he might die and said, I've had enough. It's enough. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. I'm having a terrible day. Imagine this. After his greatest victory, it seems, he is now at his lowest point. And so he lay down and slept under the juniper tree, but then the angel of God came and touched him in verse number five and says, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head, and he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. And so the Bible says in verse 80, went on the strength of that meat for 30 days and 40 nights, and he came to the, uh, to the Mount Horeb, and we see then from that point on, the Lord began to question him at the latter part of verse number 9. He said, what, what are you doing here, Elijah? In verse 10, he says, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of the hosts, the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken the covenant. They've thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. I'm the only one left. They seek my life to take it away. And then the Lord tells them, I want you to go and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind, I'm reading verse number 11, and basically, uh, you know, tore up the mountain and breaking pieces of the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
and after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so that when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him. They asked him another time, What are you doing here, Elijah? What doest thou? What, what are you doing here? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altar, and have slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, I'm the only one left, and they seek my life to take it away. But you know what? That really wasn't true. That wasn't true. And the Lord had to make a transition now in the life of Elijah because he's at his lowest point. He has suffered a letdown, a spiritual letdown. And you know what? There are some consequences to this situation. But we see that the Lord began to make some changes. And he said in verse 15, the Lord said unto him, Go, return to thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and I want you to come and anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshai, Shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. So the Lord has changed it up, changed it up the kingdom. And he said, And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in your place. I'm about to make a change. And it shall come to pass that him that escaped the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay. And him that escaped from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. And here's the clarification. He says, yet have I left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which have not kissed him. Meaning, the Lord had to correct Elijah and let him know, you're not the only one left. I still have 7,000 in Israel that have not bowed themselves down the bell nor kissed his image. You know what happened here is Elijah got burned out. He overdid it. He wore himself to a frazzle. He did a good thing, but he didn't necessarily do all of what God wanted. Let me give you some, uh, some information here. The Bible says here, uh, and I want you to look at chapter 17. The Bible says in verse number 2, chapter 17, 1 Kings 17, 2, And the word of the Lord came unto him and gave him instructions to go to, uh, to the brook Shirith, that is for, it is before Jordan. And he said, I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. That is, the Lord is saying, I'm going to take care of you by the brook Cherith. And then eventually the, the brook dried up. But the Lord had prepared another option. For the Bible says in verse number 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to take care of you. That is, every time... God wanted uh, Elijah to do something. The Bible says the word of the Lord came to him. 
the word of the Lord came to him, and he did a great work with him where he uh, began to uh, request of the widow woman that she bake him a cake, and the Lord sustained that widow woman because she obeyed him in making him a cake first. And, and the barrel uh, of, of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise oil fail. I'm reading verse 16. According to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. That is, he sustained her for a whole three and a half years because she obeyed the voice of God through Elijah. That's very interesting. And we see also, we see the prayer life of Elijah in, in, in verse number 21, when the, the child that the widow woman had had died, and the Bible said, uh, and he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. All right? And so that's important. Okay, and even the widow woman confirmed in verse 24, that then the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in thy mouth that is true. Now, one interesting thing you want to, want to understand here is that the Lord always gives specific directions on the things that he wants us to do. The word of the Lord will come to you. You will hear the voice of God, and he'll give us some specific directions. For example, also in chapter 18, it says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elisha and tells him, Listen, I'm gonna, I want you to go show yourself to Ahab because I will send rain upon the earth. So after three and a half years, God speaks to him again and tells him, I'm going to send rain. So I want you to proclaim and declare that there will be rain in the land. And God uses Obadiah, the, 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 the prophet, to hide some of the, the prophets of God. And you see, I want you to understand this, that when God wants you to do something specifically, he's going to bring his word to you, all right? And, uh, and that's very, very important. Now, when it comes to the contest at Mount Carmel, I want you to kind of grasp um, what I'm saying, just kind of preface what I'm saying, is that when Elijah speaks to Ahab, he really lets him know that, uh, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to show myself, to you today, all right? Verse 15, he said, yeah, Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I sin, I will surely show myself unto him today. That is, I guess he's speaking not only from himself, but as a representative of God, but we don't see the word of God coming to Elijah. He's the one that basically said in verse 20, and so Ahab said, under all the children of Israel and gather the prophets together unto Mount Carmel, that is Ahab, gathers them together. And Elijah came under all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. They didn't even respond to him. And so the Elijah says in verse 22, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord 
but Bill's profits are 450 So the contest begins. But understand this. God never told Elijah to go and do this. He did this of his own accord. The Lord blessed him. He was able to defeat him because of the power of God that was upon him. But God never told him that. And so he declares, I, even I'm the only one left. How dare you, Elijah? How do you, how do you say you're the only one left? You know what? Sometimes we can get real pretentious and feel like, you know, we're the only one doing the will of God. We're the only one doing the work of God. No, we're not. God got folks that still going to praise him. If we don't praise him, God's going to have somebody else to praise him. God's going to have somebody else to glorify the Lord. And so we need not take uh, things upon ourselves. If God don't tell us to do it, don't do it. Even though you're doing a good thing, he did a great thing in destroying the prophets of Baal. But you know what? He would not have had this kind of response from, uh, you know, from the, uh, the threats that were made by Jezebel if he were right where God wanted him. The Lord wanted him to bring forth the rain. The Lord wanted to bring forth the ring. And then he does that after he defeats the prophets of Baal. And he goes to Ahab and says, you know what, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And God brought forth that rain. In fact, he even goes on the power of God and runs before the chariot of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Seventeen miles, he runs on the strength of God. But understand this, God never told him to do that work. Basically, he did several things. He, he repaired the broken altar, lifting all those heavy stones and putting those stones together, all right? And, uh, you know, he brought down the fire from God. He uh, declared, the, you know, the, 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 the death of all those prophets, and no doubt he participated in the killing of some of those 450 prophets of Baal. That was extremely exhausting. And then he goes up to the mountain and begins to pray, and, and he goes and he sends his servant seven times to go up on the mountain. I'm reading, uh, that's the word right about verse number, verses 41 up through 46 in the 18th chapter, just so you know where I am. All right? He puts his face between his knees and prays. And then he tells the servant in verse 43 to go up seven times to look for rain. Didn't come until the seventh time that the prophet says, I, I, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand, and therefore the rain began to come. That's what God wanted him to do. And so after the rains came, and Jezebel makes her threats to him, it was just too much for him. And so he ran, he ran. Imagine defeating the prophets of Baal, but now with the threat of a woman, it was too much for him. He ran for his life. It, he was not supposed to run for his life, but because of all of the exhaustive things that he's done, he's basically wore out by now. He's, a, he's, 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 he's fearful and runs for his life and then finds himself under a juniper tree, I, I feel like I want to die. I want to feel like I want to die. Anytime you get to feeling like you want to die, 
I don't think that's trust in God. I just think you're overwhelmed. And sometimes we can overwhelm ourselves by doing too much of ourselves by ourselves without the direct uh, guidance of God, and it can create a tremendous, overwhelming emotional uh, down, letdown because he had just done all that great work, but then now he suffers a letdown because he was overwhelmed. He's now in the valley. He was on the mountaintop, but now he's in the valley. And I want you to understand that the Lord was not pleased with that, and guess what? The Lord replaces him with Elisha. And that was not coincidental. He was no longer fit to carry on the work that God had done. And you'll find out later on that Elisha got that double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah and did twice as many miracles. And God gave him longevity. Listen, God wants to give you and I longevity. He don't want us to wear ourselves out trying to do too much. If God don't tell you to do it, don't you do it. Even though you may be doing something good, it might not be the right thing. Maybe you're not the one that's supposed to do it. Listen, God will always have a witness. God will always send or have somebody to do a work. We should never feel like we're, we're just, you know, uh, so indispensable that the work can't get done if we don't do it. Listen, y'all, the Lord can replace us in our heartbeat. The thing about it is to make sure that we wait on the Lord and make sure that we hear from the Lord because the Lord really wants to help us. He wants to bless us. But we have to listen. We have to wait on the Lord and be strong in the Lord, all right, and hold fast, hold fast. In fact, the Bible even tells us in First Timothy, when, when Paul talks to Timothy, he says, do not neglect, neglect the gift that was given unto you through prophecy when the, the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give thyself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and those that hear you. I was reading from the NIV version. All right? Whatever God has anointed you to do, that's what you do. Don't take on more than you should because you'll burn yourself out. Too many ministries and ministers have burned themselves out because they would not exercise the, the latitude that God gave them in terms of getting other leaders and developing other people to do work. In fact, we see Jethro even warning Moses when he would basically sit in the judgment seat from morning to night trying to handle all of the uh, issues and problems all by himself. Jethro says, man, you're going to wear yourself out. This, you, what you're doing is not right. I want you to appoint uh, you know, some over hundreds, some over fifties, some over thousands, basically to divide the work. Make sure that you have people to help you. Don't try to make yourself, uh, you know, a jack-of-all-trades trying to do everything. No, it's important to stay in your lane. Whatever God has anointed you to do, just focus on doing that, and that way you'll have longevity in the ministry. Praise the Lord. Don't burn yourself out. Praise God. Get the mind of God. In fact, uh, many times we need to spend seasons of prayer before the Lord just basically to replenish ourselves 
to replenish ourselves so that when we come back into ministry, when we come back to serve, we're not tired. We've got the mind of God. We're going on his energy. We're going on his strength and not our own, praise God. Because when you find yourself getting frustrated and flustered, I don't want to quit, I don't want to give up, it's usually because you're going on your own strength and not on the strength of God. You notice that when uh, the angel of God came to him, he told him to rise up and eat the cake, and he went on the strength of that meat for 40 days and 40 nights. That is, when we consider doing the things of God and, and consuming ourselves with his meat, which is his word and his will, you'll have great longevity. You can go 40 days and 40 nights when God is in control, but we can't do it on our own strength. It takes the strength of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to unmute everybody right now and allow you to ask some questions if you have any, but I want you to know that the Lord is not always in the physical uh, what we see the, in the earthquake and in the mountains and in the fire, sometimes he just wants to speak to us in a still, small voice. It's not always in the pomp and circumstance. It's not always in the flash. You know, uh, yeah, I think Elijah likes the flashy. He likes the flashy things. He, he enjoyed defeating the prophets of Baal. He enjoyed having that fire come down. But guess what? God wasn't necessarily in the fire. It's in his listening to the voice of God. Praise the Lord. And that's one thing we need to make sure we do. Listen for the voice of God because we can do the right thing the wrong way and wind up creating a tremendous amount of problems for ourselves. Praise God. Does anybody have any questions? I hope I made myself clear. Right. We can be we can be highly anointed of God, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we can always do the right thing. All right. And by any any feedback, I hope that was clear to everyone. Any any feedback? Mm. Mm. All right. Everybody everybody's okay. Well, that's good. Yes, sir. Okay, so everybody's doing all right. Now, make sure now that you are clear about God's assignment for your life. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. You want to make sure that you're flowing with the Spirit of God. And that way you're going to get a lot more done. You're going to be so, uh, you know, uh, pleased with the results that you get. Because God's going to anoint and bless what you do. You're going to get great results. And then you'll also have enough uh, spiritual refreshment so that when you do it, you're not doing it tired. God never wanted us to do his work all exhausted and beat down and frustrated and mad at everybody. That's not God. That's us. You know, one way I can always check myself. If I find myself getting upset and mad at folks, usually it's, it's flesh. It's not the spirit of God. That's just me getting in that getting the attitude. Just getting the attitude. Sometimes you need to rebuke yourself. Say so you need to just sit down and hear from God. Stop getting so upset about every little thing. Stop letting everybody get on your nerves. You ready to walk away from the church because somebody got on your nerves? People are always gonna get on your nerves somewhere, sometime. But the thing about it is, are you spending enough time in the presence of the Lord? 
Because when you spend time in the presence of the Lord, he'll give you perspective. He'll let you know what you should do and what you shouldn't do, what you should handle, what you shouldn't handle. And that way you'll be in the right space of mind so God can talk to you and give you direction. And no matter how difficult the situation is, God can still speak to you and give you direction so you'll know exactly how to handle those situations. And you'll know how to handle the people that sometimes may get on your nerves. Because they're still God's children. Even though they get on your nerves, they're still God's children. And that's what got Moses in trouble when he, uh, you know, smote the rock and, and got mad and cussed. And, and he had to remember that these are God's people. They, the people don't belong to us. They belong to God. They're God's children. So we have to make sure we treat God's people with respect at all times because they're God's people. So uh, we, we dare not usurp that kind of uh, authority or refuse to give God glory for the things that he's done in our lives. And so that's very important for us. Hallelujah. Make sure you treat God's people like God's people, not like they're heathens or people that don't, you know, want to do right. No, you don't want us to be black, you know, or blasting God's people. No, stay before God and remember these are God's people. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Love God's people all the time. Thank you guys so much for calling in. All right, does anybody have any questions? All right, well, if that be it, then we're going to conclude with prayer, and I pray that you'll come on next week. We don't know what the subject matter is going to be, but I'm going to pray and get the mind of the Lord, and I pray that you are blessed and that you will just continue to do the work of God, that you'll continue to stay focused. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. We thank you for each person that's on the line. We pray, oh God, that they they would minister according to your direction, that they'll avoid burning out out and and getting down low or depressed or frustrated in ministry, that they'll stay excited about doing your will. I pray that you'll bless them this evening, that they'll continue to seek your face and do the things that please you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. Praise God. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.